The Light Breakfast with Asha and Nan, brought to you by Maybank. On What Makes Us Malaysian Today, we're speaking to the founder of the Penang House of Music, Paul Augustine, who walks us through the rich history and culture of Malaysian music. Paul, yeah. help us get an idea of what it was like in the, in the 50s. What was the music scene like? I think it was after the war, right? Mm. So people were starting to, you know, the 545, 46, they're starting to get their feet together, they're starting to walk, they're starting to enjoy life mm. again. Okay. You know, so then everywhere was, I think basically in certain areas, la, all yeah. Malaysia was party. Okay. We still had the emergency, Yes. So, but that was more on the mainland. But if you talk about Penang, maybe Johor, Singapore, because Singapore was under Malaya at the yeah. time as yeah. well, is it? Yeah. And Ipoh, you know, they had things like cabarets, they had uh, amusement parks, they called at the time, you know, mm. Jubilee Park, New World Park, Great World Park. Yeah, Great World, I've heard of. Yeah, yeah you know, all these places, Wembley, yeah. they had theatres, they had dance halls. So this was typically a, a, a nightlife sort of thing? Yeah, yeah, I know. And uh, I think it gave the people a chance to get out and uh, the musicians to make money. Yeah. And the people to enjoy, like, you know. Okay. So, and it was cheap getting into those spaces, you know. Right. You're talking about a few cents and all that. So, but is this the only way that you had access to music? Or, you know, there was a radio, obviously, right? Yeah, radios. Well, radios, if you look at it, it's pretty expensive at that time. All right. So, usually, if you look at, say, one kampong, you know, they, one guy would have maybe a big radio. Oh, like a uh, communal yeah, radio. Yeah, communal oh, right, radio. Okay, so, right. he switches it on and everybody hears it. Like, so, it's very loud. Like, right. Yeah. You okay. know, because everybody cannot afford to have a radio at right, that time. Okay. You see? Right. And uh, there were a few radio stations on it. So, you are basically on, I think, uh, at that time, was shortwave for, you know, mm. M wave or something like that. Okay, you know? yeah. So they could only pick up in certain areas and all oh, that. So it was always limited, right? Limited, yeah. Okay. So th this idea of the, the, the nightlife entertainment outlets, right? It's more than just it's more than just dancing, it's more than just more than that. Right? Okay, okay. Like for example if you talk about amusement parks. Right. Amusement parks is basically where you go inside and it's music. Mm. Right? They have you pay one you you pay for one ticket, you get inside there, yep. and then you got your wrestling, you got boxing, you got oh, wow. you know, jogging, you got you know uh, other things happening. But certain areas you have to pay a little bit extra to go inside. I see. Okay. See? So I understand that there were also um, cultural performances, right? Cultural, yes. You know, basically uh, there was a kotai, the Chinese kotai, mm -hmm. and then the Indians also had the traveling troupe. I can't remember what it is now. You know, they so they would do the like States, okay, the but they would do classical type uh, performances or shows. Actually, uh, tales from folklore, maybe from uh, okay. from royal royal stories like Arabian Nights. You know, the one thousand. Ah, so whatever was told at court, right? That, yeah, that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, okay. okay. So the then you had the Bangsa ones, which was actually basically Malay theater. Okay. Uh, but they also had other elements. They had uh, Filipino musicians. Uh, that's where the Solianos all played, you know. All right, okay. You know, and then you got Eurasians, you got Chinese, you got uh, all the rest, like you know, yeah. all the other communities. Okay. And they would travel from town to town. Okay. You see, and uh, it was very popular during the, I think, from the early 1900s right up to maybe about 1950s. Then it just died. Okay. Ah, okay. Yeah. So I remember we had we had a short conversation about that. So it's yeah. very interesting how that died. So it was one <laughs> industry got getting replaced by another, right? Yes, that's right. You know. So obviously it would be remiss of me to not talk about specifically the music. So within that era, say anywhere from the 30s all the way through to the 60s, yeah. uh, which is kind of a big gap musically for most people's history. Well, who were the biggest artists? Who were the biggest performers? In terms of Malaysia, I would say at that time, 50s and all that, 50s, like, you know. Mm, okay. In the 
20s, 30s, and there was this guy called A. Rahman. He was quite big. And okay. he's from Johor. Apparently, from what we found out, he's from Johor. Mm. But he recorded with this orchestra called Lincoln Orchestra. And mm. it was actually, the name when we first saw Lincoln, I thought it was overseas. But it's actually run by somebody in Singapore. Okay. You know? Yeah. So, he and then uh, Miss Julie. Okay. Those days, they call themselves, like, if you look at the records, it's like Mr. Mm. You know, and then Miss Julia. Right, right. You know, and then they got Miss Reboard, you yeah. know, all these other people. But they're all Malay songs. They were recorded mostly in Singapore. Okay. As far as we know, the earliest record that we have is a 1903 record. And it was uh, done by a German guy and a British guy. They came all the way here and they came and recorded this. And it's actually uh, documented, the first recording. And from that first recording, these were the songs that were recorded, and we have one of those records. Oh. When we found that record, it was like, wow. Yeah. 1903, you know, it I still exists. And you must understand that because it was actually very fragile, they were made of lacquer or shellac. Mm -hmm. So you can break them yes. very easily, yep. you know, in those days. It's not like the 60s where you've got plastic ones, you yep. know, they, they could stand yep. the test of time. But yep. in those days, if you drop it, it's broken. So wow. to get one of that copy was when we got it, we didn't know it was what it was. Okay, it was what we was, and yeah. uh, we checked with uh, a historian uh, Tan Sui Beng. She does all this documentation. She wrote books on it, and she yeah. says, "Where did you get it? It's nineteen o three. Yeah, you know, and uh, a lot of people would have broken all these things. You can't find it anymore. Yeah, is it playable? It's playable. It's not. It's not. Uh, Audioly very mm. nice, but you know, 1980 is more than 100 years old. Yeah, so all things considered, but you got yeah. sound, you know. Yeah, yeah. But with the new technology, you can clean it up and maybe get some semblance okay. of something that okay. works. Okay. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. I actually yeah. want to skip backwards a little bit to yeah. during the war. Um, we had a very interesting conversation the last time that I was here. Yeah. And you were explaining to me how during the war, during the Japanese occupancy, they had clamped down on English songs. But mm. our guys yeah. found a very clever way to get around yeah. that, right? Uh, yeah, the the Japanese when they came at the time they had clubs. Like say for I, I'm looking at Penang for per se la. Penang they had one German club mm. and they went Japanese club. And Penang was the only place in Southeast Asia at that time that had the Germans and the Japanese together. Mm. Nowhere else because Germans were fighting in Europe, yep. the yep. Japanese were in Asia. Yep. But in Penang they were together and they had a German club and a Japanese club and uh, the Japanese were very strict about no English English songs being sung or whatever okay so so, so not just being broadcast but being sung in public being sung in public okay. you know and so what they did was that they played the English songs but they changed the words to Malay yes you know? <laughs> yeah and uh, a prime example of it is like uh, Zaino Alam has a song called Kao Layang Satu Mm. Which is like it had to be you, da, 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 you know? <laughs> right, right. So, but he sings it in, in Malay. Kaulah yang satu, kaulah padaku, buat diriku rasa terharu lagi keliru. Lupakan waktu menjadi pilu, menanggung rindu rasa tak tentu ingatkan kamu. Fantastic. You know, and uh, the recording is there. Is and they never caught on. I don't know whether if they caught on or what, you know, but 
you know, you go to the club, if you take away all the music and all that, it's going to be boring. Right, right, right. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. You know? Okay. Yeah. So, so during that time, did you, in, in terms of your research, did you find an evolution in music because they were forced to do things in Malay? Do you think it would have happened organically anyway that we would have transitioned into a lot of English songs becoming Malay? Not really. I think basically, basically at that time, we were still very influenced by movies. Mm. And movies was the main source of it. Movies and radio. Okay, movies, because they, all these movies had songs in those days, you see. So they became famous and then after it translated to, to radio. Mm. But uh, would it have trans translated to become Malay? Not really, because I think that what happened was the Malay movies started coming up. Okay. And they actually, the style they used was a bit of the Western way, mm. but also of the Indian way. Mm. Because if you look at most of the directors, film directors in the 50s period, they were Indians. Yep. Is it? So it was a very good combination. You had the Malay actors, you had the Indian directors, and you had the Chinese who, who marketed the thing. Right. Yeah. And it, they just conquered the market. Right. Basically. As cheesy as it sounds, I can say Malaysians are very enterprising and Malaysia bulle. <laughs> <laughs> yep. We will find a way to have the music that we want to listen to. This is so brilliant. I feel very jealous. But I'm so glad we can share this with you because not all of us are going to be able to get up to the Penang House of Music, although it's now on my list of things to do. Now, though, we are in What Makes Us Malaysian. It's our campaign for the week because, ah, you know, it's Merdeka Day tomorrow. Non went out to Penang to speak to the Penang House of Music founder, Paul Augustin, who walked him through the rich history and culture of Malaysian music. We've been benefiting from that conversation. Paul, so one of the songs that you've suggested that we need to play, and we are going to, is Zainal Alam's uh, I'm Gonna Do It. Uh, this is a Malaysianized English song that was sung prior to Malaya's first election, Malaya, yeah? 1955. What can you tell us about it? Um, that song, I think, was recorded in 1955. It's actually very good because it was done in English. But it's got some Malaysianized words, Malayanized words mm. in it. So if you listen to it, it's got like uh, a bit of Malay, you know, and then the people that he mentions, Amina or Amin, Aman or something like that. So, and uh, they were using this to promote uh, the elections that was coming up. In, in a way, it's patriotism. Mm. And music is always a big source of... Well, it's kind of a driving force, isn't it? I it mean, is, it, it, it can, it can uh, what's the word also? <laughs> I know what yeah. you're thinking. Uh, it can encourage people to do things. It can... Propaganda. Yeah, <laughs> yes, it, also it, propaganda. It's, it's, a, it's, yeah. a, it's a propaganda thing, you know. It, you use that to actually promote mm. patriotism. An idea, right? An idea, you mm. know, to push it, you know. Elections in Malaya will go ahead as from next year. What should you do right now and here? Go on and register, my dear. I'll put my name onto the register. Good thing to do it. I'm gonna do it. Make Malaya better. Come on to Wantauke and Aya. Even if you are miskin or kaya Register for elections in Malaya Later don't you say I say men aya
on to the register. Good thing to do it, I'm gonna do it, make my layout better. Time now to start the registration. Time for you all to take some action. For the good of the jolly good nation, then you'll get every satisfaction. I'll put my name onto the register. Good thing to do it, I'm gonna do it, make my layout better. To register you get form only one, fill in correctly, that must be done. Important you'll be above 21, you get one vote much better than none. for you to tackle and don't you think this is all carrot it all will turn out to be very good I'll put my name onto the register good thing to do it I'm gonna do it make my layout better I'll get confused if I didn't do so why don't you follow? Why don't you do so? Come on then, let us go! On What Makes Us Malaysian Today, we've got founder of the Penang House of Music, Paul Augustine, walking us through the rich history and culture of Malaysian music. I want to ask a little bit about the role that the Penang House of Music plays. This is a passion project, right? <laughs> this is something that's very close to your heart. But if you had to describe it, why is it important? to maintain the traditions? Why is it important to maintain knowledge of something that is moved on so much now that its music is almost unrecognizable? If you don't do something about it, all this will be lost. Mm. I feel that in a way, um, every artist, be, he, be it a singer, a dancer, an actor, an actress, a poet, these are all storytellers. You know, and uh, when you sing a song, you're telling a story. When you act on stage, you're telling a story. When you dance, the yeah. movements are telling a story. Yeah. And if you do not document the stories, it will all be lost. Mm. It will all be gone. Mm. And you try and find it again because as generation moves to generation, you lose a little bit each time. Mm. You know, so by the time it gets to the person in in the year, maybe another 50 years time, all will be lost. Yeah. And uh, we to to move forward, we have to look back as well, mm. and not make the same mistakes. <laughs> See, that's, the, that's a good point. So you tell stories. So it's documenting is basically, I think, uh, keeping the stories alive, keeping our cultures alive. Like. This is very important. One of my favorite things about the Penang House of Music is the fact that it's not just snapshots because there's audio, because there are proper recordings. Uh, because of the documentation, you can actually you can actually stand here and listen and feel everything that's happened. It's not just somebody telling you a story. You can actually yeah. experience it here, which is what I really enjoy. Paul, I'm going to ask you to give all our listeners, all Malaysians, your Merdeka message. What is your message? <laughs> to all the Malaysians and all that, you do not have to be patriotic on one day. You are Malaysian. And uh, 
patriotism is every day. It's not just one day. You are a Malaysian today and for the rest of your life. But can I go back just to say one thing? The Penang House of Music, we not only document and uh, digitize things, but we also know what it is. Mm. It's not only keeping something, but you must have some. You must know what it is. The context. Yeah, and then also what we did is that uh, we have moved on from just being custodians. Mm. We have moved on to create things. Mm. We have written stories. You know, uh, we have given up uh, articles on it. We have started doing research documentaries. So it's it's just keeping relevant because nobody wants to read books anymore. Mm. Sometimes you know mm. they want to read short stories. They want to see a documentary. Mm. And we have to keep the young people uh, excited yeah. or enthralled by what came from the past. Yeah. Yeah. So at this point, just leaves me to say thanks very much, Paul. Mm. It was an excellent trip. I really, really learned a lot. Now, you can listen to this again on the Light Breakfast podcast. That's on the Shock app. That's S-Y-O-K.